Welcome to the Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. My name is Dr. Adriana Popescu. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and leader in the field of mental health, energy psychology, addiction, trauma, and empowerment. In this podcast, we will be exploring mental health from a variety of perspectives from the spiritual to the shamanic and beyond. What if mental illness isn't everything we think it is? What if everything we see as a pathology is actually a possibility? What else is possible with mental health? Hi everyone, this is Dr. Adriana Popescu with another episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. I am so excited to have with us today, one of my favorite people in the world, somebody who's been a tremendous contribution to my life, my work, and what I'm trying to create in the world, and that is Dr. Dane here. I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. Dr. Dane here is an internationally renowned author, speaker, and facilitator of consciousness and change. Originally trained as a chiropractor, he has a completely different approach to healing by facilitating people to tap into and recognize their own abilities and knowing, always reminding them that they don't have to look outside of themselves for what it is they're seeking to live without apology, with total presence, no longer needing to hide their differences and unique capacities from the world. Today, Dane is acknowledged worldwide for his unique perspectives on consciousness and personal transformation, which is unlike anything else out there. He is the co-creator of Access Consciousness, along with the founder, Gary Douglas, and also known for his unique energetic transformation process called the Energetic Synthesis of Being. Welcome, Dr. Dane. Thank you, Dr. Adriana. What a great pleasure. I'm happy to be with you. I am too. You've just been such a tremendous uh, part of my life. I don't even think I would be doing this podcast right now and be who I am in the world without your mentorship and facilitation and contribution. So um, I'm so excited for this conversation we're going to be having today. But first, I'd love our audience to find out more about you. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and how you came to do this work? Yeah, well, um, growing up, I was a happy little kid. And I thought everybody, of course, wanted to be happy. I found out I was wrong. I experienced a, a lot of abuse, a lot of invalidation for every place I was different. And um, I got to a place when I was starting my second chiropractic practice in lovely Santa Barbara, California. And um, I had been unhappy for the better part of three years. And if you looked at my life from the outside, it looked like I had everything anybody could want, you know, except tons of money. But it was like, I had the perfect relationship. I was a chiropractor, I lived in paradise and I was dying inside. And I, for many years, I had been a seeker, you know, somebody who knows there are different possibilities and will go wherever they need to go to find them. So I was reading all kinds of books on self-help and, and spirituality and metaphysics and going to weekend workshops. And I can't tell you the number of times I'd go to a weekend workshop and think I had finally found the answer to being happy. And then by Wednesday of the following week, it felt like the universe crashed in on my head again. And I felt like I lost it all. And I was like, you know what? It was actually on a Wednesday after one of those workshops, probably the 30th one I had attended, that that exact same thing happened. And I finally went, look, universe, here's the deal. You got six months. Either my life truly changes or I'm out of here and I don't care which it is. And I thought I was giving my, um, my resignation slip and I was going to get out. But a week later, 
flipping through the little paper in Santa Barbara, I saw this little ad that said, access, all of life comes to me with ease and joy and glory. And of course, I was overjoyed. Uh-uh. I was so angry. I wanted to kill the person that put the ad in the paper. And I was like, my life is pain, suffering, and gory. You don't understand. So I threw the paper away. So I'm looking through the paper the following week because it comes out once a week. And the only thing my eyes focus on are this tiny little classified ad that said, access, all of life comes to me with ease and joy and glory. And I got so angry again that I was like, wait a minute, because I'd learned long before that if you love something or hate it, there's something there for you. And so I called the girl that put the ad in the paper. And I'm like, what do you do? And she said, oh, we do all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, okay, what are you going to do for me? And she says, well, probably a good place to start would be with this thing called the bars. It's 32 points in the head and I'll just put my hands on them lightly. And I'm like, what does that do? She said, well, at the worst, you'll feel like you had a good massage. At the best, your whole life will change. And I was like, my whole life better change or I'm killing myself. What do I have to lose? Plus, I lived in California and, you know, Californians do the weirdest stuff on the planet anyway. You know, if you're not into some weird woo-woo thing, you're not really a Californian. So I... I had her come over to my chiropractic office and it's interesting because I didn't have the money to pay for a session at that point. And so we were going to trade chiropractic services. So anyway, I wasn't expecting much from it. And, and I tried so many things that I thought were the answer. I was like, what do I have to lose? I lay down on my table. She puts her hands on my head and I feel this energy that feels like liquid love, light, and peace. And I was like, well, that's interesting. I haven't felt that before. And she moves her hands to different places on my head. And at one point, I just start giggling like a little kid. I was like, <laughs> and I giggled for the rest of the session. I get up an hour and 15 minutes after the session has started. And remember, I went into this session depressed and suicidal and wanting to end my life. I get up and I remember, I'll never forget looking out the window at the clouds in the beautiful blue sky thinking, has it always been this beautiful here? And if it feels this way to be alive, I'm in. I don't want to die anymore. And it quite literally saved my life. And so, I mean, I was so excited. And one of the things that she did for me is we got together once a week. And she would run my bars and I would work on her. And she would give me a tool every week to use. And strangely, as the universe would have it, when the universe wanted to cave back in on my head again, I would use whatever tool I had for that week and it would expand again to that space. And what was interesting was every week we would get together, the sense of space that I had would expand. And so after three or four weeks, I was like, I'm like, can somebody really be this happy? This is amazing. And my, I started having a totally different sense of being alive. I started having a, a gratitude for everything that was in my life. I started seeing things that weren't serving me leave my life. I was like, wow this is one of the most amazing things I've ever experienced in my life. And so I, you know, eventually, or it happened to be her stepdad, Gary Douglas, the founder of Access Consciousness, is her stepfather. And I was with her doing a session one time and I was like, who created this? And she said, oh, my dad. And I was like, are you kidding me? I'm like, I wanna meet him, where does he live? She said, oh, here in Santa Barbara. I'm like, are you kidding me? And turns out that he had been asking her about the chiropractor that she had met because he had so much pain in his body. And so he actually called and came in for a session of chiropractic in my office. And um, it was very interesting because that opened up a, this thing that I do now that I call ESB, the energetic synthesis of being, 
but it, it was an energy that when I went to work on him, he said, look, you follow what my body wants. You know, you follow, ask my body what it wants, follow the energy, you'll know what to do. And there was this energy that became present that was unlike anything I'd ever experienced before. And I did the session from that and I saw dynamic changes, the changes I'd always wanted to create in people. And, and I've just seen it grow for the last 20 years. And so fast forward to a few months after that, Gary and I started working together. Um, a couple months after that, I was like, bye-bye chiropractic. I love you, but I'm out of here. And um, not that I've ever not been a chiropractor. It's just that sort of my primary modality is more this now because I've seen how effective it is. And I've seen how dynamically the tools can impact people's lives. Yeah. And when we talk about these tools, we're talking about both hands-on energy work or, you know, hands-off in the case of some of the ESB stuff, but working with energy more non-verbally as well as doing verbal facilitation. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, both. And, and that's the interesting thing is that, you know, different things lend themselves to different ways of, of working with people. And so the verbal processing that we have in access, we have we're big believers in asking questions because whenever you ask a question of anything, you always open up another doorway of possibility or you can perceive where that person is stuck and not able to go there and you can help them change that. And we have this thing called a clearing statement that from my point of view is one of the biggest developments, biggest uh, upgrades in personal development since we've had personal development, which is an ability to actually from the person's request, have the request based on the question that you ask, go back and change what doesn't allow what they're asking for to show up. And it's a very quick way of changing things. And, and I use it all the time. And so there's that. And then there's this sort of off the body energy work, mostly hands on, uh, hands on or off the body, which I call ESB, but also within access. So we have ESB, which is which is something that is, it's about sort of, the only time somebody really creates a difficulty, especially a long lasting difficulty in their lives is if, is if they've invalidated their being or their knowing or invalidated what's true for them and replaced it with a lie about who they are or what's possible or what's not possible. And so what ESB does energetically is melt those solid places in their lives where they can't access something else then we also have body processes and access that address, that address a lot of specific things. And we also have bars in access, which addresses the, the electromagnetic component of thought that creates, you know, we did, we've done a few studies and found that it decreases stress, anxiety, and depression, an average of 87% with one session. So there's a lot, you know, the, the thing about access is not, not having enough to talk about. The thing about access is trying to take this universe of things that we've developed over the last 20 and for Gary, 30 years and be able to, to make it succinct enough so somebody goes, what is it again? You know, and you can actually tell them. Yeah, it is such a comprehensive, like you say, there's so many different tools and they're all so simple and pragmatic that it's not like you need a lot of fancy training in the jargon and the techniques. You really can just from 
you know, like watching a video or taking an introductory class. There's so many simple tools that people can just immediately practice and incorporate in their lives. And as a therapist, you know, it's been so wonderful for me to have these easy to use tools that aren't dependent on me necessarily in the session, but that I can give to clients and they can use on their own to change whatever it is that's keeping them stuck. Yeah. And that, that part for me is part of the beauty of it is, is the simplicity of it, the elegance of it, but the fact that it friggin' works in the trenches of life, you know, because it's, it's a wonderful thing to, to have our points of view of everything that, you know, that we can do with a client in a session or everything we can do when we're, you know, in a, in a workshop or something or in a cave meditating, but it's, it's a real gift to be able to use and also give people things that they can use in the trenches of life that actually work to change the underlying situation. And that's another crucial distinction is being able to change the underlying energy of what goes on and be able to have a way of changing it so dynamically that that area of their life truly transforms. And, and that's what access is, is brilliant at. So let's go further with that. So when we talk about mental health, right, in the sort of Western medicine psychiatric approach, we talk about mental illness as if there's something uh, chemically imbalanced with somebody that needs correcting usually with medications and with talk therapy. And you and I know that that's not always, you know, the most effective strategy. So in Access, what is the take on mental illness? Well, there's so many things that are defined as mental illness that actually have an energetic basis in something else. And let me also say, there, to, a, to a large extent, it, whether you're giving somebody medication or something else, a lot of times that actually depends on the client you're working with. Because for some clients, medication is the only thing they're going to receive, and that's why they're coming to you. So you want to know that also. I'm not... There's so many people who, if they have some alternative view, they think everybody should do that. That's the answer. This is the only answer. That's not my point of view. That's not Access's point of view. Access's point of view is do what works and also know what's going to work for your client by asking them. <laughs> weird, whoa, what a weird concept. You mean your client might actually know something? Yes. And that's actually, you know, the, the fundamental basis of Access is that you know, you as a being know. And if we can ask you the right question, you can then access that knowing. And so, and that's also a difference in sort of traditional Western medicine point of view. The idea is that people don't know and that you need to be the answer and the source for them, except do any of us like it when somebody does that to us? You know, if, if you're the doctor and, and somebody's trying to tell you what's true for you and it doesn't read true for you, you don't like it either, you know? So we need to honor people, acknowledge that they know and then how do we get from where we are to the possibilities that they could actually choose? And everybody has more possibilities available than they're choosing. I mean, pretty much all of us. But, but so if we look from like one example of, um, let's take a far end example. Well, should we take a, do you want to take a far end example or a less far end example? I'm okay, well, <laughs> let's start, let's start with a less far end example, which would be anxiety 
for example. Well, one of the things that we found in Access is that we're all really aware of what's going on around us energetically and nobody's ever told us. And so we would go so far as to say 98% of your thoughts, feelings, and emotions on a daily basis and 98% of the, the yuck stuck energy that you can't put words to are actually things you're picking up and aware of in other people's worlds. You know, and people say, seriously, how could that be? And I'm like, well, have you ever been in a relationship? They go, of course. I'm like, did you ever know it was time to call your partner, even though they didn't text you or something? And you're like, I need to call them right now. And you call them and something has happened to the dog or, you know, or they're really mad at you. You know, somebody just told them a lie about you or something, you know, and, or if you're really happy and you walk into a room of sad people, what happens? You get sad. Why? Because we're like tuning forks. And this is so simple, but most people don't want to acknowledge its existence. And so what we found in Access is there are many of these awarenesses like that, that when you acknowledge their existence and when you, then you can find a way of dealing with what actually is. So as I was going to say, if we look at anxiety, for example, one of the big things with anxiety is we find it tends to be the more sensitive people in the world. The ones who, if, you know, if there's, if there's, I don't know, stress in the world or whatever, and somebody is perceiving it, a normal person, quote unquote, their volume knob might be at a one. Well, for somebody with anxiety, they have such sensitivity, their volume knob is up at a hundred. And so you're like, okay, well, what do you do with that? Well, it's, what do you do with that is two things. Number one, one of the things we say a lot in access is what if everything you've been taught is a wrongness of you is actually a strongness. And a lot of the people listening go, oh, yep, that pretty much applies to me, you know. And so in this area, we go, okay, what's the strongness? Well, that level of sensitivity, that level of awareness is actually a strength. But this is usually the person that will come to you, whether they're, no matter what age they are, they've been dealing with this as though it's a wrongness for most of their lives, usually. Because the sensitivity didn't start just now. You know, they've had it their entire lives, but nobody could give them the tools to navigate it. And if we would just give them some simple tools, like ask, who does this belong to? When you have this first come up, when you get the first hint of that energy, ask, who does this belong to? If it lightens up at all, it's not yours. Return it to sender, whoever that is, and you don't even have to know who they are. I mean, let's look at it. How many times have we been driving down the street really happy and all of a sudden, we feel we're angry or we're sad or we feel like we have no hope for future. And you're like, wait a minute, what, what? And chances are you were driving by somebody who's in the middle of that and it vibrates out so intensely and you pick up on it or somebody in your world is having it. And if you'll just go, who does that belong to? It's the acknowledgement you as a being require to acknowledge, oh, this shit ain't mine. And then return to sender, whoever it belongs to. You don't, and you don't need to define who that is. And then it gets lighter. But just that one tool, you know, if, if mental health workers had that one tool and that one awareness that people have a level of sensitivity, everybody has a different level of sensitivity. And the people coming in most with stress, depression, and also a lot of times suicidal thoughts, especially in today's day and age, um, that's one of the things you want to acknowledge about them. And so if we look at the other side where, okay, well, what drug are we going to put you on? You know, and, and we all know that, that a lot of people who get on antidepressants of one form or another are, they tend to report feeling slow, feeling sluggish, 
but they don't have so much stuff in their head anymore. Well, yeah, that makes total sense. But what if there was a way that we could help them without having them to having them have to go through that slow sluggish, I feel disconnected from my body and disconnected from reality. This is about showing them how to be totally present in reality. But then beyond that, if you can start to make that change, then what you do is you speak with them about the level of awareness they have, because for them, they're like, let's say a normal person's awareness is, you know, like an egg around them, if you will. And most people sort of think of it that way, you know, energetic medicine tells us we have this around us, but the sensitive person, their egg may reach the whole city. And so we look at that as a wrongness because nobody's ever given us the tool that it might actually be a strongness. But if we look at what is the strongness in that, well, they're going to be aware. Like if they run a business, for example, I know several people like this that, that have created businesses since coming to Access, actually, which is interesting because before that, they were just on antidepressants and didn't want to do anything. And so, and once again, I want to make this very clear to those of you who think I'm saying don't take the drugs. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there are certain clients that require that and certain clients you can do something else with. And we need to acknowledge that. Okay. So I want to make that very clear. Um, I'm not one of those people. So there, um, but their level of sensitivity, see, they have an awareness of when something is off in the business that is so far down the line that nobody else is even aware of it. And they're like, Hey, we need to check on this. And they check on that and they find there's little thing that they can change now that allows everything to get greater and the business gets more successful. So these people actually have amazing capacities. We've just not been taught, not been shown that how to use the capacities that we have because we've been so conditioned that this is a wrongness. So that's just one example. Um, there are so many more. Yeah. A couple of things I want to say in response to that. I mean, so many gems and everything you're talking about. Um, I work with addictions. I work in a drug and alcohol rehab center and what I find is so many of the clients who come there have that sensitivity, which is a capacity, but they don't know how to use it. And it's always been made wrong. They've been told they're too much. And so a lot of them have turned to drugs and alcohol or food or other kinds of behaviors to try to turn down that awareness, but it doesn't work, right? That, and that's the other, I'm so glad you're bringing it up because that's the other thing about especially using any of those things to cut off your awareness is, is after it, you feel worse than you did before it because that awareness we have is a gift that we're trying to squelch. And if we don't have to squelch the gift and if somebody can show us, which is what a lot of access is about, is actually showing you the gift in these things that you thought were somehow a curse or somehow wrong, you know, the wrongness turning, showing how the strongness is actually not the wrongness that you thought it was. And there's so many people on this planet that are trying to diminish their level of sensitivity, not because it's inherently wrong, but because nobody has ever shown them how to use it. It's kind of like, you know, if you watch the X-Men movies, you know, and you see the X-Men kids, you know, like the the one kid who shoot, what is his name? Cyclops shoots light laser bolts or lightning bolts out of his eyes, you know, but nobody showed him how to use it. You know, get him a cool pair of glasses and let him take them off when he really wants to do his thing. And he's going around, not only being normal, but looking pretty damn cool. 
You know what I mean? It's like, there's a totally different perspective that if you have it, like um, that if you will be in question instead of conclusion leads you to possibilities for how to be with people and how to help them, how to actually empower them. And this is something that, that is such a, such a game changer if as practitioners, our point of view becomes about empowering our clients, empowering our patients, rather than us needing to be seen as the power over them. Because if we create that relationship, one of two things has to happen. They have to continuously follow us and stay under us. Or when they finally have enough of staying under and want to actually empower themselves, they've got to leave us. And do we really want to create that kind of situation? I mean, are we in this to contribute to people? And I say contribute rather than help because even help is a superior point of view in most people's points of view where I'm going to help you because I am better than you, you know, but do we really, did you get into this to contribute to people or did you get into this to massage your own ego so that you can feel really cool because all kinds of people need you. And if you look at that, now look at that for a moment, especially if somebody is in mental health right now. And if you were to have a conversation with somebody, your therapist or somebody, and they had that blunt a question for you, it's like, you'd be like, okay, I'm not sure I really want to look at that. But here's the thing. If, if we could be brutally honest with ourselves, or shall I say, dynamically vulnerable with ourselves, and actually go, wow, you know what? There's some part of me that actually loves the power. There's some part of me that loves being up here and acknowledge it, cool. If you're, and, but, but this is the other thing about access consciousness are, see, we have a definition of consciousness. Lots of people are talking about consciousness now, but nobody actually has a definition of it. And our definition is where everything exists and nothing is judged, where everything exists and nothing is judged. And so what occurs is if you could look at that and realize, wow, okay. If you could look at that and realize that for the most part, you want to contribute to people. There's a part of you where you really like being up here and having other people be down here, because then there's a lot of stuff you don't have to look at in your own life. As we know, a lot of therapists do and have, um, yes. Okay. And, but there's not one of us that is free of crap. So if we can acknowledge that, and go, you know what? I'm going to be really honest with myself from now on. It's actually really freeing to be that vulnerably, vulnerably, easy for me to say, vulnerably honest with myself. And I'm going to actually look at the places where I do things or say things so I can maintain my status and my image and see if that works for me. And if it works for you, cool, keep doing it. And if it doesn't, then there's something greater available and something greater possible. So on another level, us getting really vulnerably honest with ourselves is one of the greatest gifts that we can give us, but also everybody who comes to us. And it's at that point that you start actually empowering people with whatever tools are available to create that result. And that's where magic occurs. And I know so many therapists who got into it because they saw the possibility for creating magic. They wanted to contribute to people and then everything they learned along the way was you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. You don't really ask them questions. You only ask them questions to get a particular result on something and then you move on. 
Well, what this is about is not being in judgment of you or them, asking questions to see what's true for them that they have never acknowledged. And when you get to what's true for them that they've never acknowledged, it sets them free. Because the only thing that sticks any of us is when we're functioning from a lie and we don't acknowledge it. And I, that's the trail I want to follow is with judgment and um, how I've often said judgment is the greatest source of human suffering. And so much of the suffering that I see with my clients who've been given various labels and stuff is that fundamentally they're in this tremendous pain inside because they are judging themselves as bad, wrong, not enough, whatever it is. A lot of them got that message from abusive people told them those things, but also they come to believe those things about themselves. Can you say more about that? How does judgment even come into our world? That's a great question. And it's, it's a fundamental factor of the functioning of current reality. And it's just something that is so prevalent that we all learn it. I mean, look at what most of our parents taught us they thought their job, and I mean, look at this for a moment. They thought their job was to teach us right from wrong. What is that? Their job was to teach us how to judge. And that's what I see all around the world. And it's interesting because the parents that don't teach their children how to judge feel like they're wrong because they're being a bad parent. And yet those are the parents that I see that are actually empowering their kids with choice like Gary, the founder of Access, when his little girl was going to put her fingers over the open flame because he just took the pot off, he said, he didn't say don't do that. He didn't say that's wrong. He said, if you do that, it's going to hurt. And so, of course, she got her hand close and went, ooh, that's hot, and pulled her hand back, right? But what he did, even in that tiny interaction, was he empowered her with choice. Not don't do this because it's wrong. Because when we tell kids don't do this because it's wrong, they don't know why it's wrong. They don't even know what wrong is. And if you look at really little kids, they don't know how to judge. And it's not until about seven, eight years old that they start where they've been around us enough where they start judging things because why? Because we've taught them how. And so we say, where does it come from? Everywhere. Most everybody's doing it most of the time. And one of the questions I like to ask people is, do you have one person in your life that doesn't judge you? And usually a lot of people have, okay, 50% of people have at least one, okay? Because I ask this in classes all over the world. And, and it's interesting. And I say, what's it like being around that person who doesn't judge you? And everybody takes a collective sigh. You know, it's like, oh, God, it's so nice. Yeah, because they don't have that constant haranguing judgment of you that is so prevalent in our world and if you, if you add to that, this thing that we talked about in the Who Does This Belong To, about how psychic, basically, how energetically aware everybody is, well, we're picking up on the tons of judgments that are present in the world, believing they're ours when they're not. And especially, you know, 2020, 2021, with all the stuff going on in the world and so many people panicking and freaking out and being fearful and doubtful and sad and no hope for a future and all that sort of stuff, we pick up on all that. We're all living on the planet together. And when it magnifies in the, in the mass unconsciousness, I think they say there's mass consciousness. I can't wait for that to show up. That'd be awesome. In the mass unconsciousness, you know, we pick it up out of the field, so to speak. And it, with more people doing it, it seems more present. 
Well, so you'll see more people experiencing depression. You'll see more people experiencing anxiety. You'll see more people experiencing suicidal thoughts. You'll see more people experiencing psychosis. Uh, all of these different things that are a, a huge part of it is because they've never been given any different perspective and they're doing the best job they can in dealing with all this awareness that they're having and dealing with the fact that they think if they feel it, it's theirs. And we need to disabuse them of the notion that if they feel it, it's theirs. If they're willing to have it, I say again, because about 50% of the population is willing to, 50% of the population isn't willing to. But you may notice, depending on your practice, how it's set up, what sort of people you treat, you may have way more of one than the other. That's just a function of you and what you're treating and who comes to you for that. Yeah. Some of us tend to attract the seekers of the world, right? That, yes struggled with the same things we may have struggled with as well. And they're looking for somebody to inspire them. Yeah. And to invite them. Like I look at you and your story, you know, and it inspires me. Well, if he could do that, if he could get out of this deep, dark, horrible place and like, look at the tremendous impact he's having on the world, then maybe I can do that too. You know, we inspire people rather than um, pathologizing them or making them wrong. You know, that just that approach to psychology is so painful to me to watch, you know, that, and I think that's so brilliant that, uh, that would be one of the greatest gifts for us to inspire the people that come to us. And how do you inspire that by being it? That's the only way to inspire somebody is by being it. Now you can try to create an image, you know, like, which is why I brought in the thing of people who have the sense of needing to be superior to others or whatever. And you can try to create an image of your perfection but if you do, you'll always be in a constant state of judgment of you. And then all those things where you're pretending to be perfect are eventually going to blow up in your face and everybody's going to find out about it, you know? And so the thing you're trying to avoid showing if you can deal with it first, and this applies for our clients also, you know, if you can go, okay, I'm going to actually look at this now, I'm going to stop pretending it doesn't exist. Then you have a different choice also. And you being present with it even if like, let's say you've got a lot of clients and, and you realize you've got some addiction or something, or you've got a lot of clients and you realize you have something, you know, body dysmorphia kind of thing going on, you know, and, or you don't really like your body very much if let's put it in simple terms and, or whatever it is, or any form of the stuff that any of us could have. If you're willing to actually look at it and start working on it, you're going to start changing into a kinder, more present person that's able to contribute more to people. And at the same time, if you share, not, not bleeding on your clients, not telling your whole story, not them, them now being the therapist to you, but just, yeah, you know, I've been working on this and it's getting even greater. It's like that itself is a source of inspiration because one of the, one of the sources for so many of the things people come to us for is, is they're not perfect enough. And so there's this, based on this world of judgment that we have grown up in, we believe that the only way to be right and not wrong is to be perfect. And so if you show that you're not perfect, but also don't belabor the fact, but also like, hey, I, I've got this, I'm working on this, and this is changing this way, that's a massive inspiration in itself because it gives the people that come to us the freedom to know they don't have to be perfect either. And so many of us have been trained, you know, especially in psychology, you know, the classic Freudian approach was we are a blank slate. 
our client's not supposed to know anything about us, right? And yeah. so they often will project onto us that we're so perfect and they could never be like us. But one of the gifts that I learned from you is that gift of vulnerability, you know, to like actually drop my barriers and let my clients see me, you know, for who I am and to, again, not bleed on my clients, but to share some of my experiences and challenges and offer, hey, here's how I got through, you know, through it. And maybe you can try that if you want. Right. I love that. And that's the thing also is we're people doing our best to contribute to people. You know, we're not automatons who are not there, not present. And, you know, I'm here observing you. We got enough of that shit in our lives, you know? And it's like, and, and I get the, I, I get some of the reasoning behind that. Right. But at the same time, haven't we evolved to a place where we can actually be people interacting with people because, you know, somebody will walk a million miles for somebody that they feel has their back. That is actually for them, there for them energetically. And, and it also gives them the courage and the inspiration to know that somebody is there and, and they will be inspired to choose more, to go for more, to choose more on every level. And the other thing is, especially at this point, there's such a missing element of human interaction and interacting with people. And if you can just be there, if you did nothing else in your sessions, except be there with truly no judgment, not pretending you don't have judgment of what you're judging them for, not trying to go, oh, I don't wanna laugh at you. I don't, oh my God, I can't believe you said that, but truly no judgment. You did nothing else. Be there from, with them for, from a space of no judgment for whatever your session time is, you would change their world. That is so key, Dane, because so many of us as therapists, when we're in that role of being the expert and these people are coming to me so that I can fix them, I can heal them, and it's my job to do that. I'm responsible for their well-being. That is so much pressure on ourselves. Then we always feel like, oh my God, I have to come up with the right answer. What can I say to get this person to not kill themselves? Like, you know, that's, it's so disempowering to us, you know, to, to have that stance with people. And we underestimate just being that, what uh, Carl Rogers called the unconditional positive regard. That's what he called it, was just being that space, what we would say is allowance. That, and it's just like you said, we do, we place that on us. And we also place as you also said, place, place their, their change as though it's up to us. It's like, no, the change is only up to one person and that's them. None of us can change somebody else. I mean, come on, how many relationships have we been in outside of any, uh, <laughs> I, my words right now, my goodness, outside of a clinical situation, how many of us have been in a relationship where we really wanted to change somebody but we couldn't make it happen. You know what I mean? It's like, if we could get over that also, that would be one of the greatest gifts. And, and it comes from the recognition that nobody can hurt anyone else. Nobody can change anyone else. And nobody can empower anyone else. Nobody can make, sorry, nobody can make anyone else choose anything. The only thing that we can do 
is empower them with choice and empower them with allowance, the unconditional positive regard and, and the unconditional regard with no need for positive and negative, but total presence and total gratitude for their existence. And no attachment to an outcome, you know? Yeah. Like the person's going to choose what they're going to choose. And addiction in particularly, you know, there's this mentality, you know, in some factions around, we have to save them. We have to save these addicts. And it's like, I'm always working with my staff around, no, you guys, you have to surrender your attachment and expectation of that because you can't make them choose anything. All you can do is be that inspiration, that invitation. And if they want to choose it, they will. And if they don't, you got to be okay with the fact that they're, they may not choose that. And that also, so if we be the inspiration in the invitation, and, and so I want to be very clear also to the people listening who think that's a way of absolving yourself of responsibility. Well, if you look at the meaning of those words, it actually is absolving yourself of responsibility, but it doesn't mean that you don't have a deep level of caring for them. It doesn't mean that you're not going to do every damn thing you can, but it does mean that you realize the choice is up to them and the recognition that if we look, and I'm a big fan of looking at my own life and where somebody wants me to do something. It, like, in other words, I'm a big fan of walking my talk and treating others the way I would actually like to be treated because I realize how many times I've been treated in a particular way and it doesn't work. So if we recognize what's it like when somebody has a point of view that we should change and that we're wrong or they're wrong if we don't change, what is that? That's another weight added to their shoulders and a big weight if they trust you at all. And so our projection, one of the things we need to get over is our projections, expectations, judgments, and rejections of them and our separation from them. Because the way it works is if we have a projection and expectation that they should do something or that they will do something, if they don't do it, we then judge them and we judge us. And then we separate from them and we reject them. And at the same time, we reject us because now we're a bad person who didn't get the result. But if we hadn't gone into it with any projections and expectations, none of that would occur. And so we really need to get over our projections and expectations of us as providers, healers, therapists, whatever you want to call it and of them and of how they're supposed to get wherever they're there to go. Because if we live in a world of consciousness, they have consciousness, they know, and they know when it's time to be with you and they know when to choose what works for them and they know when to leave. And we got to recognize that if, if we truly function from them knowing that doesn't mean they know everything, meaning they know how to get where they want to go. That's why they're, that's why we're there but they know when to come. They know when it's appropriate to choose something or not, and they know when to leave. And let's acknowledge that knowing in them also. Yeah. So one last thing I want to cover with you before we wind this down is, is tools. We've talked about a few tools of access consciousness that could be applicable for whether it's a mental health clinician or client, some tools that could be useful to change things. So we talked about the access bars and we talked about the power of questions, like who does this belong to? Or one of my favorites, what's right about this or what's right about me that I'm not getting? Love that one. 
Um, what other tools would you suggest for people to use in working with mental health type issues? Okay, so we talked about also acknowledging somebody's sensitivity as a strongness. It's a superpower. And if, if we can get them out of, if we can start acknowledging the strongness in that and ask them questions like, okay, so what capacity does this give you that other people don't have? Like what superpowers do you have that you haven't acknowledged? And people go, what? I thought I was wrong. I know this is part of changing that. You know what I mean? So that also is in that realm of asking questions. But one of the other great gifts we can do is you mentioned allowance and functioning from that and as that. And one of the ways to get there is whenever we have something stuck come up in our life period or regarding a client, um, or we feel like we have no idea what to do or where to go, get the energy of that and just say, interesting point of view, I have this point of view. And usually it shifts. So everybody out there watching or listening right now, I'm sure you got some stuck something from somewhere, especially after this year, you know, we have Santa's sack of stuck crap we're carrying around everywhere. And so what I'd like to do is get any energy about anyone or anything that seems a little stuck in your world and just address it, acknowledge it. And then to that energy, say, interesting point of view, I have this point of view. Cool. And usually it starts shifting with one time because what you're doing is you're making the choice to come out of aligning and agreeing that it's real and true or resisting and reacting to it now because you decided it's real and true. Now you have to try to fight it to get rid of it. This is a way of ending the fight. Now get the energy that's there because it usually changes and go interesting point of view. I have this point of view. And again, interesting point of view. I have this point of view. Interesting point of view. I have this point of view. Interesting point of view. I have this point of view. Now, um, for some of you, that interesting point of view that you had, that upset that you had was about somebody else. So if it was, I'd like you to add this. Now we're going to do get the point of view that they have that you're not interesting point of view about. Okay. Because we know how it is. I mean, I had the awareness at one point. I'm like, wow, if there were not other people on the planet, I would be happy all the time, you know? So we, we tend to get so triggered and stuck by what goes on in our interactions with others. Here's a great way of changing that. Now that you practiced on this other one. So if you have something that's sticking you about somebody else, what you do is you go, okay, first you start with interesting point of view. I have this point of view. And you do that a few times until it starts changing a little bit. And then you say, interesting point of view, I have this point of view, interesting point of view, sorry. <laughs> I'm telling you my words today, oh goodness. Then you say, interesting point of view, they have this point of view. Interesting point of view, they have this point of view. You do that a couple of times just to try to get your foot in the door. And now here's the one that usually clears the most. Interesting point of view, I have this point of view that they have this point of view. That's the one. Okay, so one more. Some of you are out there laughing right now. That's cool. That's awesome. That's great. I love it. So one more time, interesting point of view. I have this point of view that they have this point of view. And one more time, interesting point of view. I have this point of view that they have this point of view. And doing that between like three and eight times can change a lot of this stuck stuff. And the other thing I suggest is please go check out Access Consciousness because we're having a conversation 
we're having the conversation we can have during this podcast. And Adriana, I'm very grateful for you inviting me on for this conversation. Thank you. And for what it also contributes to other people in a different possibility, but really the nuts and bolts and the meat of this stuff, it's like we have, we have taken one snowflake off of Mount Everest at this point in what we've talked about. But if it interests you, there's so many free resources available. So you can check and see, would this contribute to me? And would it be fun for me? And would it contribute to my clients? And if so, great. And if not, that's great too. And I just want to also acknowledge to those of you listening, you know, just like we try to get across to our clients, you know, you know what is true for you. You know, what will work for you. And the only time your life is ever difficult is when you go against that knowing. So one of the other tools is what did I, where in a situation that somebody's in where they're stuck, you want to ask where or when did I go against my knowing? Which is huge because one of the beauties of that and one of the things that I'm interested in is having people have tools that open up their own awareness and their awareness that they're aware that also build on each other so that if they come to see me for six months, they are not just, it's not a linear progression. It's beyond a geometric progression of how they start to walk and talk in their lives. In other words, going from a space of, you know, whatever it is, expanding exponentially or geometrically. And that occurs by acknowledging their knowing first, and then by giving them the tools to add to that. And one of the great gifts when somebody's stuck, especially if it's like a relationship situation or, well, kind of any situation that they weren't in the situation, they got in the situation, and now they're stuck or they were in it and out of it and now they're stuck. And what you do is you say, okay, so where, when did you go against your knowing here? And what did you know that you didn't acknowledge? And one of my favorite stories about that is Gary was working with this lady who was, who had just gotten a divorce after 16 years of marriage and she was so depressed and nothing that he did was changing it. And he had an hour long session. He's about 45 minutes in and he's so frustrated and what I do and what Gary does and what you do and what access facilitators do when we get frustrated is we start asking questions. What is this really? What do I do with it? Can I change it? If so, how do I change it? And what else do I need to look at that I'm not looking at currently? By the way, please add that everybody to your list. I know I went through it really quickly. What is this? What do I do with it? Can I change it? If so, how? And what else do I need to look at and be aware of in order to change this? So he went through that list of questions and he looked at her, got a weird look on his face and asked her a question because she was like, oh, I can't get over it. I'm not giving it up. I've been married for 16 years and he left me and I can't believe it. And she was doing one of those. And he said, so let me ask you a question. So truth, when did you leave the relationship? Six months before you got married or six months after? And she went, oh my God, six months before. And it was the first time she was light or happy and she got happy instantaneously. But that's what happens when you spot the lie that you're functioning from. And this is the thing that's one of the things that's really big in access is what's true makes you lighter, a lie makes you heavier. And as soon as you spot a lie that you've been functioning from, you get lighter and your world gets lighter. So what's really sticking most of the people we work with is they've got a ton of lies that they're functioning from that they have bought as true. So that's another question you can ask, like, what is true for you in this area? 
And what part of this is a lie spoken or unspoken? And if they can get to the lie, their whole world starts to get lighter. So anyway, this lady found that she had left the marriage six months before. And Gary said to her, he's like, seriously, why did you go through with it? And she said, well, the wedding invitations had already been sent out. So for $400 of wedding invitations and a little bit of embarrassment from friends and family, she suffered for 16 years. But what stuck her, and this, this can be very helpful when dealing with people who have relationship stuff, is what sticks you the most is when you knew to leave, when you got the awareness, it's time for me to go, this relationship isn't gonna be what I want it to be. And you don't do it, you talk yourself out of it and you go through the checklist so you can reason and justify staying there and how bad it's gonna be for other people if you leave. And then you stay there and suffer for 16 years and then they leave, that's when you get really stuck. Cause you're like, dude, I went against my knowing I went against everything that is true for me to be with you based on the agreement that you were going to do it too. And now you leave, you fucker. And so that's what ends up happening. See, but this is just, this is one of those examples of what we do with access is we continuously ask questions to follow the energy of both where the person has possibilities are not acknowledging and where they're sticking themselves with a lie because if we can bring attention to that lie and bring their awareness and what's true to it, they get unstuck immediately. And we keep acting like it's rocket science to facilitate people. And it's just actually more, uh, I guess it's more consciousness where, where lies and judgment always create limitation and awareness always creates freedom. What a gift this conversation has been. Oh my gosh, Dane, so much. Thank you for being with us today and sharing your gift, your Thank experiences, you. your perspectives. It's truly been invaluable. Thank you, Adriana. I am honored and grateful. Yes. And we will post in the show notes all kinds of links where you can find Dr. Dane and Access Consciousness. He's got also a really cool series of videos on YouTube. His tour of consciousness is really fun. We'll put all those links in the show notes. And please, if you do like the show, click like, comment, and share with others so that we can let other people in the world know that there are other ways to approach, treat, and free ourselves from what we're calling mental illness. Thanks for tuning in today. Thanks, Dr. Dane. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. This has been Dr. Adriana Popescu. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe and share with others. To find out more about me, my guests, and more, please visit my website at adrianapopescu.org. See you next time.